Show. The Drew and Fuse Show. The Drew and Fuse Show. They clean up nicely. It's the Drew and Fuse Show. The Drew and Fuse Show. The Drew and Fuse Show. Yeah, they clean up nicely. Hello. Yo. Good morning, Daft Punks. Thank you for tuning in today. We appreciate you. Appreciate it as always. Uh, if you guys are just joining us and this is the first episode you're listening to, uh, make sure you rate, review, subscribe to the podcast, uh, rate and review on Apple iTunes podcast. We appreciate it. If you're watching on YouTube, make sure you hit the subscribe button. If you're listening to it on Spotify, uh just make sure you follow everybody's got their different thing you know and we appreciate all the love also if you're in the market for a photo booth make sure you click the affiliate link below in the comments or the description of the video it'll have a link to the photo booth supply company uh you'll be helping out the show if you're in the market for a photo booth and you use that link uh also if you're not on DMS and you want to give that a try, use the promo code Drew and Fuse Show. It'll get you 30% off your first month of activation. Also, make sure you check out our friends over at Club Killers. I'm rocking the club, or I'm sorry, over at Club Cannon. <laughs> we do have a, we have something with Club Killers going on today. So, you know, I got it. I, yep. I, I got it on the brain right now. So, uh, uh, yeah, but, you know, Club Killers is great too. I use their record pool all the time. So, there's a record pool. Uh, yeah, Club uh, Cannon. Pool for a ton of shows. I use yeah. Club Killers record pull all the time as well. But Club Cannon is our sponsor today, and it is going to turn your party up to 11. So make sure head over to Club Cannon, get a CO2 blaster. Got some videos on those. You can get some cryo just for your clubs. Whatever you got to do, grab that off of clubcannon.com. Totally. We also are not sponsored by Liquid Death Sparkling Water straight from the Alps. <laughs> it will murder your thirst. Doesn't put any money into our pockets. We're still drinking it. So cheers. We just like the brand. Happy. Cheers. Happy uh whatever day today is. I can't even keep up. Today's Wednesday if you're listening to it because you because everybody on this podcast listen to it first 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 day it drops. Wednesday. All right, we got a great guest for you guys today. We're just going to get right into it. This guy has been around forever. I guarantee you play his edits. I guarantee guaranteed. it. Guaranteed. Guaranteed. One of, of my favorite editors. In your set. Yeah. <laughs> Definitely. A lot of them are. Yeah, he's a beast. Uh, he's played around the globe. He's had residencies in Asia, Florida, Vegas, just everywhere. He's played everywhere. I know Cleveland and Ohio here. I've seen him all over the place. So without further ado, just help us welcome DJ DeVille. Hey. What's up, guys? Thank you for having me on the show. It's awesome. We appreciate Good to it. talk with you. Yeah, we're pumped, man. Thank you for being on. Absolutely. And I, by the way, I just love your logo, the the soap logo. Outstanding. Like it, it's, it's probably you. one of my favorite all time podcast logos. Like it's amazing. <laughs> Thanks. Such a great, such a great logo, like logo mashup. It's amazing. The first rule about the show is you tell everybody about the show. So it's kind of, you know. <laughs> yeah. 
<laughs> shout out, I like that hoodie, by the way. Who is it? Who is it? Who makes it? Club oh, Cannon? it's Club Cannon. Yeah, it's Club Cannon. <laughs> Not out. to be confused with shout Club Killer. Shout out. I love it. Yeah, where they can find all your edits. <laughs> yeah. And you've got a Patreon now as well, so they can yes, they can yes. grab your edits on there. Yeah, and so I, I just so the way that works too is you know I, I get a lot of questions about this. I think this is also another great reason to, to kind of explain a little further. Yes, all my current stuff is on Club Killers on a week to week basis. But the reason I opened up the Patreon is it's more of an archive because I'm sure as a lot of younger DJs may or may not know, I used to be on CrooklynClan.net, uh, even Crack for DJs when that existed. And a lot of those edits, I still get hit up about like people asking, like they either saw another DJ play it or asking, hey, where can I get some of these edits? And they haven't been online for like seven or eight years or if not longer. So I wanted to create a place where you could still find these archive greatest hits and I'll still have exclusives as well, but I just wanted to like a library of all my past content that's still extremely relevant and playable today. So that's why I kind of created it. Uh, so it, I'm kind of using it like, cause I want to uh, make it as a more of a community too, cause I'm trying to expand. I'm still debating on this, but you know, at maybe expanding on services where, uh, you know, essentially like I was thinking about doing, like if you wanted to sign up or maybe, I don't even know what the word is commission and edit, or even like, you know, do like something like, you know, get inside my laptop or, you know, come up with some ways to create extra value or even, you know, just have a consultation services. I don't know. Like I'm just looking at different things where, you know, like I've got 23 years of experience. How can I, you know, allow this to be utilized by other younger DJs or other DJs that just want another opinion, you know, whether it comes to coaching, consulting, or just a different perspective, you know what I mean? So I'm just trying to come up with ways to uh, utilize that and figure out what's, What's a value price point for that? But in the meantime, it's just a great place to find some of my my best throwback edits. So I mean, but it yeah. is really there's three different ways I've seen different uh, DJs utilizing it in different ways, and I love it because everybody has a different interpretation. Like I love Nick Bikes. Yeah. Nick Bike has an awesome Patreon. Uh, you know, he's he's really inspiring. He's actually one of the ones that I saw that made me want to go do it. So that was shout out to Nick right. Bike. Yeah, shout out Nick Bike. I uh, love his Patreon. Uh, I'm gonna have to t- sign up for yours right after this. I would love to see you go and do offer some of that stuff for for younger DJs because no, I'm sure you do, but I get hit up all the time for hey, will you make this redrum? And you're like, I don't know, I don't even know what that is, right? But it would be right. it could be a possible way to have somebody be able to reach out and be like, if they want to pay a certain amount and it means that much to them, get a sure. custom to. I mean, the only thing that scares me is it's like, what if it doesn't come out good? Like you know, not every idea can. In, you know, in the conception period, translates well, especially if the tools aren't available. Because I, I'm, I'm still kind of like a source snob. I know all these great stems are out there, and you know the stem tools and Serato just dropped stem tools in their platform. But I like original sources. I collect original sources, whether it stems from the original files or whatever. So I, right. you know, it's like a fine wine versus a box wine. You know, it's it's something where it does the job, but is it doing it right? You know, it's, so it's, it's, it's definitely where, you know, so if somebody asked for like a particular, like I always do you know, the Epic acapella thing is huge, you know? And so I love all of those that you do. <laughs> it, but the problem is when you make it Epic, you have to air it out. There's no blend. So it has to be crystal clear. And if you don't have a good right. quality source, it sounds like doo-doo. So that, that's the big right. thing is making sure that you, I, I'm able to make the follow through if somebody commissions me to do it. So that's what makes me nervous about that factor. But, Nonetheless, it's still a novel well, idea. Well, maybe they have to fill out uh, some kind of form, and if it, it 
hits all the boxes, then they're okay. Yes. You can go forward. Yes. But otherwise, it's like, blocks them. No, you guys. <laughs> Big no, 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 will not pass go. Will right. not pass go. No, you just get an email that comes back. It's just this hard pass. <laughs> Big red letters. No, hard pass. Here's your money back. <laughs> Here's your money so. back. All right. So one of the things before we get started with some uh, rapid fire that I kind of wanted to ask is we know you've kind of moved around and you were in Tampa, then you were in Vegas, you were in Asia. Uh, I also I lived in Shanghai. I lived in Shanghai yeah. for almost three years. Uh, one of the questions I have, one, if you just kind of want to tell us about kind of hopping around and two, if you have any advice for a DJ that might be looking to make a big move from a smaller market to a bigger market. Oh, man. See, that that's an awesome question because I've done it. A lot. You know, I, got, I originally moved from Wisconsin. So I started in the cafeterias of my high school DJing. And uh, then I evolved into Green Bay, Wisconsin, which was like 90 minutes away. And then I decided to go to Orlando, which was 22 hours away. So that required me getting a U-Haul. I'm sorry. Wait, wait, I'm sorry. We're, we can't gloss over the fact that you're DJing in the cafeteria. Just real quick. You give me a little bit on that. Go on. Oh, yeah. Okay. So <laughs> That's I had to rent speakers. I had to rent speakers. So it was me and my two buddies. We had a company called JAZ Entertainment. It started in 10th grade. How old grade. are you? I was 10th oh, grade, like 16. Yeah. I just got my license. I had my parents let me use their Jeep Grand Cherokee so I could fit speakers in the back. We just put made it a flatbed, throw everything in the back. And we were making like $300 a night. So we each made, like after the rental cost, we each made 60 bucks. But like, hey, you know, it's gas money, you know, it's awesome. So we yeah. did that. And uh, I remember the first time we hooked up my very first song as a professional pay DJ. I played Intergalactic by Beastie Boys. And right when the bass hit, I popped the fuses in the whole cafeteria. And the first <laughs> thing I ever hear as a DJ is, you suck. <laughs> I'm like, like just in immediate trauma. You know, like immediate. <laughs> so we got it figured out. We, we found out you're not supposed to put all the plugs on one outlet. So we figured that out, put them around a couple different outlets. Everything was good. And then the fire truck came because our fire machine set off the fire alarms. So then we had got in trouble with the fire department and then we <laughs> broke a window from all the base. So that was our first gig and we, but it was legendary. We got hired for every single gig all the way through senior year, except for prom. So we did a fundraiser every, like I think we were doing dances. It wasn't like just proms. We were doing like fundraiser dances where you can just come as you are and have a good time. And we, I didn't realize it, but my, uh, my student council was saving all this money. So we saved up enough money to go to Great or Six Flags Great America at, on our senior trip, and no one had to pay a dime. It was all for free, just from our, doing all these DJ parties and stuff. It was great. So that was my. That's how I got into it, and then I started Amazing. DJing at all the local clubs. Believe it or not, back in the late '90s, Wisconsin had a pretty banging club scene. I know that's a weird thing to hear, but <laughs> I, they had teen clubs, they had nightclubs, they had everything. So I got really a great experience introduced being in you know, going into DJing when I was 18. Uh, you know, I have a, a, a going into being coming a teenage daughter, and I feel that that's lacking these days. Is just like a good teen scene, uh, like a safe environment that you know totally. your parents can drop their kid off at. I mean, I was driving by myself. I had my license. My mom was, was driving my mom nuts. I just take off in the jeep, go down to the club, cruise you know cruise down Grand Avenue, having a good time, get some Taco Bell. It was a great time. <laughs> have a Coca Cola, maybe a Mountain Dew. Yeah. I don't know. Oh, it's gonna Wild get crazy. Times, man. Wild time. <laughs> <laughs> but I mean, the clubs. I remember the first time I ever heard Sandstorm in a club. I mean, the night, the lights went out, the strobe lights were hitting. It was oh, good production. 
I mean, it was, you know, everybody started jumping when the, you know, when the songs went off and, you know, I, I, I was very grateful because the, the bosses of the club I worked at, they, I didn't have to have any music. They had, they were mobile DJs turned club owners. So they took their entire mobile CD collection, put it on the wall and then digitally cataloged it. So you could search it like Serato, but it was just serial numbers. And this, every CD had a serial number. So I just yeah. memorized. Eventually, I was memorizing where CDs were, and yeah. that's how I got started. And then, you know, obviously, like, um, you know, when Crooklyn Clan came out, I was burning my own CDs. So I had my own CD book full of mashups, and then I brought those to supplement what was on the wall. And then when finally, when Serato went mainstream, I finally bought that for you know the black MacBook, and I got the TTM fifty seven. I got the turn. I got the M five G techniques, which I still have to this day, and that's what got me going. And I had. All the other DJs were hating on me. They're like, oh, this guy thinks he's a hot shot because he's got Serato. What are you gonna do with that? Ugh. I heard I heard computers crash, right? So like, I was getting all that hate up front, but they don't eventually obviously became the standard. And I was very grateful that I took it on very early. Cause one of the I, I saw when I went I used to go to Minneapolis and I saw DJ there it is, there it is. I still have mine too. It's a relic. Does it turn on? Does it actually turn no. on? Dude, it, someone smashed it. That's why I still have it. Oh. it. Someone, like I was DJing and someone, a fight broke out. Someone grabbed the cable and I watched it go flying out of my hands. I was like, no! And it just got smashed inside Man, the box. It's, it's awesome you still have it. I just got it back because I sold it to my buddy in Detroit. He recently just gave it back to me. He was down in Tampa. He brought it yeah. with him and gave it back to me. I'm like, bro, that's awesome. So yeah, he says awesome. it still works too. It just needs a Wi-Fi card. I'm like, I don't even know what would work on this. Thing. <laughs> right? The fact that it still turns on is pretty cool. Yeah. But I still remember though, like this is I, I think all of you guys will appreciate this. Is like what actually got me going with Serato is I was in Minneapolis and I got to see AM and he was down on the front, like on the side stage. It wasn't even on like there was it was a massive club, like four thousand people. And this is before I even knew what mashups really were. And he started dropping all the, the Sizz and Riz joints, like all that hot shit, like everything. So, but he was juggling them. And so imagine this Wisconsin kid barely knows what a mashup is in the first place, but now it's party breaks and he's juggling party breaks. I literally thought he was a miracle worker in front of me. I was losing my mind and he's doing it on a laptop, which I didn't know what was going on there. And he had two records is going back and forth. So that was like, Oh five. I mean, he was one yeah. of the first early adopters of the early Serato. And it was, what was the other one? What was the competing one? Torque, Tr tractor, tractor. tractor. There was one of those. Yeah, it was like there was another one. And uh, Torque that, by M Audio was the other one that DJ yes, Revolution. Yes, yes. And that was yeah. really unstable. I guess it only worked on Windows. But at the time, oh no, I, I man, I can't. It wasn't tractor. It was, it was one the too. early one to it. Um, it was Torque. T O R Q. No, no, that was Torque was one, but there was one other one. It's I can't remember the name, but yeah. Because the guy I, I from uh, Incubus, the DJ from Incubus endorsed Kilmore. Him. Yes. He, he actually did a showcase in like 2002 at my at college at Full Sail. He, he brought it in and it crashed when he did the demo and everybody's laughing. I'm like, this is Final cut. Like, final scratch. Final scratch. Yeah, final scratch. That's what I was like. Yeah. So then, then when Serato came out stable, obviously, that's when everybody started jumping on it. And that, But that's what literally I, the next week I got a bank loan and got a computer. I got everything all at once. I ordered it from Pro Sound. I got the whole thing, and I was like yes. obsessed with it. So it really, it really changed my life, literally. Like it, it, it and then obviously that's when I moved to Orlando, and I, I started to meet lots of other people. I met DJ Nova. Um, I got to open up for Scribble. You know, like I started to get the big city scene. I started to like, you know, meet 
major players in the game. And I, I learned the, the big city style of DJing in conjunction with the fact that I now have technology. So like, cause I had some songs, I, I knew what to do. I knew how to mix, I knew how to scratch, but I'm like, how do you play it in a high impact fashion? And all the right. Orlando really taught me a lot of that. And then obviously I started going between Tampa and Orlando quite a bit. And you know, that that's really how I got into the city scene. That's interesting. And and what would be your advice for like a young DJ that goes from Wisconsin over to this giant scene? Like, Oh just, yeah. Like, you start going to clubs and linking with the big, bigger DJs. Like what, What's like the first thing you do once you land in this new big city? Well, I mean, the first thing is save some money because it's going to be tight. I mean, I've, I've been through a lot of ups and downs financially, you know, throughout my whole life. Like, you know, I take risks and it's thankfully, you know, you know, yielding me rewards long term. But it's stressful sometimes. And you got to make sure you have a cushion because I'll give it, you know, I'll just put it this way. When I moved to from Wisconsin to Florida, uh, I had a I had a Cadillac with no trailer. I just had my Cadillac DeVille. That's why I'm, and a lot of people don't realize that's why I'm named DeVille. I have my, I've had three caddies. But so I had my Cadillac filled with just my clothes, a fold-up desk that I had my studio on, and my DJ equipment. That's all I had. And then I slept on an air mattress for three or four months until I got my first DJ gig. And I literally just went from club to club with, remember Light Scribe CDs? You know, where you could actually like etch in a high-quality image on a CD? Yes, yes, yeah. I remember those totally. Lightscribe started my career, my professional career. I, I guess you give it to him that way because, like, I didn't want to just be the sharpie guy. I didn't want to be that guy. So I took was... an extra hour per CD, and I just burn the CDs while I'm watching a movie or something. Yeah. And I'd come up with ten, and I go, I'd knock on door to door in downtown Orlando, telling managers, "Hey, I'm new in town. Check out the CD. I'll be back next week. Let me know what you think. Yes or no." And I got two or three gigs out like that way. And one of them was live on the air with XL1067 in Orlando. Like I was live on the air in the club because I took the time and the initiative and just shook hands and like actually was personable with the management. So it really, really, it's, it's not easy, but it's what you got to do. That, that old school CD burner would be one time burn, right? So it would, it would take the, so one time meaning like one to one. So take the full hour. hour. Yeah, yeah. To, to actually burn the mix and then you'd have to flip it over and then subscribe the artwork onto it. Oh, which yeah. So you can imagine I was I made sure that the management management even wanted to talk to me remotely before I even gave it to you. Like, do you actually want to listen to this before I give it to you? Don't waste yeah. my time. <laughs> so and and in that dumb printer ink at the time would just like it was probably like one ca- cartridge of printer ink just for each CD. Oh, so bad, yeah, it was, it was brutal. It was brutal. But I mean, it really did. It, it gave me that little more professional edge. And one 100%. time, I even went to they, they, one guy invited me to do a demo, and I was the only DJ that showed up for the demo. So he's like, "Just play for twenty minutes." And the owner was there. He's like, "Yo, this guy's great. Put him on." That's why they, it was right when uh, like AO technology was blowing up. To give you the timeline. Like, yeah, you know, yeah, technology was the hottest song, and that like I had all these techno remixes of it, and like all these EDM electro mixes, and Jump Smokers was blowing up, and it was it was just a really cool like time because it was more energy. It was like hip hop was kind of like starting to come back, but like dance mixes were really hot, and that's I just really enjoyed that that style at the time. Yeah, it's like two thousand eight, two thousand nine, yeah. somewhere yeah. in there. Yeah, yeah, two thousand eight. <laughs> it's it's all oh, right. <laughs> It seems so long ago, yet just yesterday. It's it's strange. I started DJing basically out of high school, so Serato was just becoming a thing when I started DJing, and I was 
I was uh, using another software. And like you said, like I remember I remember watching the YouTube video of DJ AM doing the this is how we do it routine where he's like, the oh, thing yeah. I like about Serato is relative remote mode. And then he's doing it and he's like using one hand. And I was like, I need this shit. Like yeah. that's what <laughs> I mean, that was that's what sold guitar. me. Like the turntables were AM's electric guitar. I mean, he was doing things with that that most people didn't even conceive of. Like still to this day, like I still watch it. I mean, I, I don't know if you guys can see this, but I actually kind of have it. I I, uh, I have my AM shrine over here. Oh, nice. So I've got dope. So I've got I've got the AM sneakers, the the Nike ones, and I actually yeah. uh, remember when Kevin Scott remember when Kevin Scott did the auction. Or yeah, the, uh, where you can buy yeah. some of his actual sneakers. I got the NERD dunks. Um, oh, I damn. actually have. I gotta show. You, I gotta show you this. I, I'm pretty sure Vice, Vice uh, appreciates this on a high level too. Vice told me that he met his wife while he was playing on this mixer. Oh wow! This is the mixer from Body English. Oh damn. wow! And wow. AM AM Five Vice Deluxe. Everybody's played on this mixer. Even has the Scotty Boy I Love Blow sticker on the bottom. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> so this is I got uh I, I this is really cool. This will never ever not be on display. This is one of the coolest things. Yeah, it's so, amazing. Yeah, so it is awesome. Like, yeah, it was really that, cool. That thing's a tank. I'm sure it still works. <laughs> so, but it, it's just the fact that you know, like it had he had like so much influence on I'm sure, like you know, even down to the flannel shirts. I think he influenced every DJ you know, on such a high level, you know, then that's what really caused me to use like scratching in a instrumental way, in, in an impactful way, not just for vanity and like, you know, scribble scratching just to do it, but like making it count and yeah. actually becoming a part of the mix. And that's what really taught me on a higher level to appreciate. Cause like, I don't, I'm not like, I'm not like a quote unquote turntablist of sorts. I, I consider more of like a drum scratcher. I like to scratch in a way that's going to complement what's already happening on a loud sound system. I scratch because I'm on, you know, knowing that it's very loud in a club. So I, I don't get into the, like the really detailed stuff. I just make it in a way that's going to really uh, impact the crowd and sound good live, you know? Yeah. And that's what I like. AM like was the master of that. hundred totally. percent. I have a pair of shoes from the auction, but I was a, just a poor little young DJ at that time still. And uh, they're just a pair of, uh, of vans that he had in the collection, it's but dude, I, but I got legendary. a pair. It's like yeah. owning like a, it's it's literally like owning a scarf from Jimi Hendrix or something. Like, yeah. it's, it's so cool. Like, I, like it's insane. I can't believe that auction even happened. I, I was actually in China, and all I had was one credit card that would work through the portal all the way back in the United States. I'm like, I have to have these. So I, I was yeah. like waiting for the auction to kick off, and I grabbed them as soon as I could. I was like, these are so cool. So, yeah, that, that was a definitely a crazy time too. Uh, I want to talk more about the your China experience, but um, we have some some questions we want to jump into here. Hit me, hit me. All right, we got a uh, a segment video. We'll play it real quick, and then we'll, we'll ask the questions. So, hey, this is the King of Pop, Michael Jackson. Drew and Fuse, let's talk questions. In fact, let's do some rapid fire. Now, I know these rapid fires aren't always so rapid fire, and that is okay by me. I got nothing but time. Now, let's look at the man in the mirror and get started. Hee hee hee! Shout out to Mike. 
Dude, that's the real Michael Jackson, in case you yeah. didn't know. I would say so. No arguments there. No arguments. Uh, we like to keep it fun and shake it up a little bit. So. Uh, it cracks me up every time it plays because it's just so bad. It's so. <laughs> I mean, it was just Halloween, was it? <laughs> so what do we have? We had uh, Chris Cox on the other day, and he said Michael Jackson actually would look like his video from Thriller these days. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, probably. <laughs> Too soon. Uh, Too soon. <laughs> all right. So the first question we like asking is um, stuff that you're currently listening to, and it doesn't have to be like DJ music. It can be whatever. It could be a podcast. It could be anything that you like when you're just rolling down the street in the car. What do you like to listen to? You know, it's funny because I don't always, I take a lot of new music for granted, like new releases. And, you know, I actually took the time because like when Drake dropped a new album with 21, I actually took the time. I, I was, I had a Saturday off. I just, when I was driving around running errands, I listened to the whole thing top to bottom. I usually skip through stuff and I didn't find myself wanting to skip as quickly. Like I was actually enjoying the, 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 the new album. It was good. They had good synergy. Uh, it was just a, a good hip hop album, solid, really solid. And, you know, I've been disappointed a lot with a lot of like legacy artists that have been around a while and they put out something new. And I'm like, ah, it's not what I was expecting. That That's really um, uh, been a, a good surprise for me. But on, more on the R&B side, I, I like a lot of chill music when I'm not listening to club stuff because I'm always listening to club music. But I like, uh, what's her name? Uh, is that Megan the Scientist or what's her name? Mariah the Scientist. I, check that I out. love her voice. She has an amazing voice. Um, she just put out a new album, but my favorite song from her is Beetlejuice. Uh, that came out a couple of years ago. And I just, I'm, I'm just really enjoying her. She has just an amazing voice. I feel like there's a lot of up and coming R&B artists finally. Cause I just feel like it's been the SZA show for a while. It's just always been <laughs> SZA on everything. That's all and my daughter listens to is SZA. It's yeah. Like, it's SZA. Like it's Every cool, morning, like, <laughs> there's so many more talented artists out there. Why isn't there like, remember back in the nineties, there was a million R&B artists. Million, like, for some yeah. reason, it's just what happened to them. So like that, I just really like supporting that part of the scene. I just enjoy I like, like, like that chill I, vibe. I like Kelly Ucha. Is it Kelly Ucha's? Yeah. I like her as well. She's yeah, kind I'm, of, I'm uh, not familiar. You see, you got to give me a new one. That's, that's a new one. Yeah. She's dope. So I'm going to check out this Mariah, the scientist. I like that a lot. It's yeah. Like Beetlejuice is an amazing song. Really good chill guitar on it. It's just really good stuff. But like when it comes to like, I, honestly, you know, like I, I should probably listen to more uh, podcasts, but my commute is so short from, I live a mile from my job. So I don't even have a time. I have barely enough time to listen to one song on the radio. So I listen to a lot of XM. I mean, I listen to like all the XM DJs, like when they have the live mixes, shout out to Sprite. Sprite has a great, he's had me on oh. his, uh, he always has a great show. I'm always listening to that one. And I listen to the Diplo channel. I'm a huge Diplo fan. So like, that's another one that I like. So I, I balance between those. That's pretty much what I listen to the most. We had Sprite on the show and his podcast, his podcast, his show is awesome. I, I was listening to it last night if I want to get pumped up. So yeah, it's a great yeah, show. Absolutely. Uh, do you have a favorite remixer or producer? And that doesn't have to be like DJ editor. It could just be like music producer in general. Oh, yeah. I, I think uh, Good Times Ahead is probably one of my favorites. Wookie. Yeah, Wookie. He's, yeah, he's come Wookie. up a couple times. All right. Wookie is like amazing. He's just because he's not, he, he likes remixing fun stuff like Nintendo games. And like, I'll play this stuff. And it's like when I'll play party bars, like college party bars, they just go off. Like, the energy level is insane. So definitely, like, uh, Party Favor is another one. I, honestly, 
the, the Tiesto machine keeps churning out hits. Like I love Tiesto, big room stuff, qual very good quality electronic stuff. So I mean, uh, man, I mean, but honestly, when it comes to more like the, all those remixers, I, you know what? I, I really wish more artists would remix again. Like remember, like when there was always a mandatory Afrojack remix. There's always the yeah. mandatory like David Guetta remix. I wish they'd start doing that again. Like whenever there's a top 40 song, uh, like uh, the Disclosure remix of uh, Unholy, they did yes. a really good job on the, the sound quality is insane on that. Um, I'm really looking forward to the new Skrillex album because he's been re working really hard on it in the background. I keep seeing stuff on social media. He just did a show in Japan, like previewing all the tracks. And there's some monsters. He's coming out with like a dirty bass house uh, you know, lineup on his new album. So I'm really looking forward to that. Yeah, me too. Because he's been, I, I don't want to say quiet. He's still producing stuff, but he's been quiet at least for his main brand, really pushing that. For, he's, he actually canceled a bunch of shows because he's like, guys, my album isn't done. I'm not going to go out in public until I have a good quality show for my fans. He's like, I can't pay attention to my my uh, DJ side of my life right now. He actually just came out and said it, which was really cool. Like, I respect that because it's like, there's only so many hours in a day, and that's how you know Skrillex is really a producer because he's got to go in the studio and hibernate for a while before he can right. go back to cultivating as a DJ. So it's it's, it's you got to go in season sometime. Totally. So you're you're back in the Orlando area uh, now, and one question we like to ask is if people are visiting Orlando, what's the go-to uh, Orlando area food spot that isn't super touristy? Ooh, okay. So actually, there's a spot I went to just this last weekend. This is a great question because uh, it's called uh, 20 Pho Hours. I'm a huge pho guy. I love Vietnamese food in general. Uh, they always come up with the best names, right? Yes, 20 Pho Hours is so good. It's, it, and, and it's also, the, the cool thing is it's two-dimensional. The entire restaurant is 2D. So the floor is like, it looks like a, you know, like a black and white monochrome cartoon. Everything, wow. even the house plants are are drawn out that way. Like they have real house plants and they painted them to look two dimensional, like a comic book. So it's, it's really cool inside. And then everything's set up for social media. They're genius. Cause they have like a, a photo booth or it's like, it's actual telephone booth. You can get inside. It says 24 hour on it. And you, it's just genius, like subliminal marketing. And, the, and they had a filet mignon pho. So that it's, it's a little, they have a lobster and filet mignon pho too. So it really, really excellent choice there. It was a little pricey, but, I highly recommend it with all that. Awesome. My wife's big on anytime we go out, it's all about the, the ambiance, right? You know, the food yeah. can suck, but the ambiance, and if they're nailing both of them, I'd, I'd be willing to pay the extra just because it's Absolutely. so hard to come by, you know? Yeah. yeah they totally they cool. had a real vision. It was busy too. Even like, at, like I came in at like three o'clock in between lunch and dinner. It was still completely full and everything was like super top notch. Like, and so it's, it's not far from the Disney area either. Like, that's the cool thing about anything that's worth mentioning is probably off of I-4 near Disney World or Universal Studios. It's just on the residential side of it. Because, like, the right. one side's the parks and the other side's where people live. So it's pretty easy to get around. Like, Orlando's a really easy city to get around as long as it's not rush hour. Yeah. Just, like, any, anywhere, you know. I did a, a private event out there. It was a 50th birthday party, and I did all video. This was probably three years ago, but... I want to say it was at the Ritz over by there, but yeah, yeah, yeah. It's, it's such a cool city and I need to spend some more time down there 
and uh, get around. But this is the best time of year, man. Come on down. It's like between now and February is like the best. It's right. Like sunny skies when there's not hurricanes, things like that. Yeah, <laughs> yeah it, it, you're right because it's always perfect, perfect weather. It's like California, but you don't have the humidity that you get in the summertime. Right. Yeah, the summer's brutal. Like, that's where I wish I could be back up in Wisconsin. <laughs> Go like enjoy the weather up there. Right. Totally. Uh, one other question. This is another not so serious question, but what is the best one word non, uh, ben, best one word insult non curse word? We call somebody a tomato. <laughs> <laughs> I heard I heard that somewhere like in a movie or it was like I don't know I I just heard that like earlier this year I'm like yo that's brutal call somebody an effing tomato. <laughs> Like what? <laughs> and it's like it makes it stop. You're like, or like, remember that SNL skit where they called people cork soakers? No, I don't watch that. Yeah, that's a good one too. I think that was a Will. I think it was Will Ferrell or something like that. They call everybody was calling them cork soakers. <laughs> the tomatoes. So I got two for you. I got two the, for you. But try calling a tomato when you're pissed off and see what happens. <laughs> <laughs> it's it's no good because what do you do when you're you know you think like a comedian a comedian's bad you throw tomatoes at him right it's like yeah. it's a, it's an amazing it's amazing so good all right and then the one last question is we love hearing a crazy dj story so whether it's bad whether it's good whether you got one or two or three we want to hear it so we, we, uh, we've, any, we've, but i, I do have all. a story i remember i remember the story i wanted to tell so this was for me, it was kind of like I was still like a naive kid from the United States when I was in China. And this was like my first year while I was out there going out on a regular basis. Just to give you a little more of a backstory there. Um, the club is called Mint, Mint Shanghai, and they were bringing in DJs from the United States, especially from Crooklyn Clan, uh, because one of the DJs out there, shout out to DJ Spetty, he was also on Crooklyn at the time. So they were just going down the charts of all the rosters of the DJs. So it was like me. Anthem Kings, Beat Breaker, uh, Rocket Scientists, all, all those guys. So I ended up becoming friends with a lot of them. And I ended up becoming a, a quarterly resident. So I wasn't going there for like one show. I'd stay out there for a whole month. That's how I started getting out there on a more regular basis. And um, and then they would bring in like, you know, A-list acts from all over the world and on top of that. And then for, so one night I opened up for Bob Sinclair. Wow. And this was like, it was, I think it was a Friday night. It was absolutely ram-packed. There was, there was members, it was a members-only club at the time, and there was members that couldn't get in. And it was just, it was capacity. It was like 1,200 people, and it's on the 24th floor of an office building overlooking the Shanghai skyline. It's one of the most picturesque situations, best venue I've ever played in my life. It's just amazing. So you got Bob Sinclair, he walks in, rock star status, and he's got his leather jacket on. He's acting really cool in French. You know, he's the cool French guy. Cool he's, like, French. he's got this, like the rock star hair and everything. I'm like, man, this guy's so cool. So then he rolls up with his CD book. And this is, keep in mind, this is 2012. And he's rocking right. the CD book. So and we're like, good thing we got CDJs. Like, you know, a lot of like, like a lot of times they rotated and out like controllers and different stuff. Like they had all kinds of gadgets and stuff like that. We didn't care. We all used the same stuff. So good thing we had the CDJ 2000s with the CD uh, drawers and everything. So I'm like, all right, man, you know, I think that, I think they forgot to hook up the RCAs even. So they had to go back real quick. The tech guys had to hook up the RCAs because it was all digital. 
And um, so he goes on and he's, you know, here's the problem. He played, he only, you know what, he, Bob Sinclair realistically has what, four or five big songs. Yeah. And he played all of them at once in the beginning. And then he starts playing like French deep house. Oh. And, and he, he even knew what was going on. He could see the energy because it was like, mad. like he played world hold on. It was like new year's Eve. And then, yeah. it, but it's 15 minutes into a set. <laughs> and we're all looking like, what's he going to do now? <laughs> man, I bet he's got some new stuff. Oh man, this is going to be crazy. And then it just drones further and further and further down. It, it, and next thing you know, he's playing like 122 BPM deep tech house. And oh. he even gets on the mic. He's like, Shanghai, am I playing too deep for you? <laughs> and, and the problem is no one said anything back. Oh, wow. So we're like, yeah, bro. I mean, it, this is not a DJ Hansel set, bro. Like, you, you can't go one deeper. One deeper. Like, yeah, you, you played all the deeper. And so then I'm hanging out. So there's a DJ booth. The DJ booth, I don't know if I can display this correctly, but it's like a long rectangle, right? And Bob Sinclair is here. I'm over here watching him from the side and all the dance floors up here. So next thing you know, I got a laser pointer hit me in the head. Oh, my boss, God. he's like, get back on now. I'm like, and I'm like, you're going to tell him? He's like, no, you're going to tell him. <laughs> oh, man. I've been in that situation, man. It yeah. is not fun. It is so cool. Here fun. I am. I got my hands in my pocket. Walk up on stage. Hey, Bob. <laughs> Oh my God! Dude. Hey Bob, it's not working out, bro. I gotta go back on, and he's like, "Oh, okay." So he finishes his song and he just unplugs his headphones unceremoniously, and he claps his CD book shut, and he puts it under his arm. He doesn't even take the time to put on his leather jacket, and he walks down the thing. And I'm like, I'm I have no music, so I'm literally. I got a bunch of people uh-huh. just staring at me. I'm like, down the barrel. Like, I'm like, okay, I have to get on now. Un- unfolding my laptop, plugging everything in. And I finally got, I, I put on my fur. I think Avicii Levels was killing it at the time. So I just played Avicii Levels real quick. Yeah. And everybody goes, yay! And then he <laughs> looks at me. He's down in the pit looking right up at me. Oh. He's just like, <laughs> he just, so, he was so mad at me. He's like, oh, dude, like, I guess you flew 8,000 miles for nothing, buddy. But I was just like, man, that was so – like, I, you know, because that's a big – that's a massive star. And, like, for me to just forcibly put his tail between his legs was a very strange, very strange experience. Yeah. I saw him play in uh, 2018 at um, ADE in Amsterdam. And uh, the bill that night was – um edx bob sinclair uh croatia squad and uh croatia squad's awesome um sinclair was like oh and fetty legrand uh and uh it was like uh, bob and fetty were like the two co-headliners uh basically but his set bob sinclair's set that night was even kind of weird and like deep compared to the rest of the guys so that just must be his thing like, yeah, I think he likes to experiment. Like he has like an identity. Like he's you know, Doctor Sinclair and Mister Hyde. Like he's got this thing where he wants to play deep, but he produces pop EDM. So I, right. I, I don't know. It's 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 he's a. And the thing was too is like I think the other problem was like he wasn't adopting technology quickly enough because 
we were already programming the crowd to listen to two or three minute edits. Right. And he was playing six, seven minute versions. And that was even boring the crowd too. So I think it was just like, he was probably, it was just a generational gap on his technology. Obviously I'm sure he went to thumb drives. It's or something at, you know, soon thereafter. Cause when you have an experience like that, you got to kind of rethink your playbook because like if you're toting around CDs, when you're seeing everybody else do something cooler, I'm sure it re uh, makes you re rethink everything. Yeah. Yeah, totally. And, and, and just blowing your load right out the gate. I mean, oh, geez. yeah, I don't know what he was thinking. He should have peppered those in. I mean, world <laughs> hold on. I mean, he was like the grand finale at the, at the beginning like, right. what are you gonna do now <laughs> yeah so totally I, yeah that, I, that was definitely a wild one i opened up for darude and this is way after you know he he was legacy by this point yeah. uh it was probably 14 or 15 and he he had two controllers on the side and he was just like queuing up sandstorm little in between the deep house shit that he was playing so deep house set full deep house set and then just randomly would be like i've heard that before you're not the first person to tell me that because i said it was basically the entire set was sandstorm to some degree yeah yeah but he never i i don't think he dropped until the very end but the whole time would just be like yeah and then you just That's keep going with the set. Hey, man. <laughs> I'd do it, too. That's the most legendary synth of all time. <laughs> he was easily the nicest, funniest fucking guy ever. He was so fucking cool. How old is he? Like, he's, I mean, I'm he's guessing like, he's we're like an age. He's a person at this point. He, he's, he was... He's uh, 47. Like he was 40, born yeah. 90, yeah. 1975. Oh, well, the Google yeah. Ninja right there. Okay. Yeah. yeah. Hold up quick. He, he was young, definitely, when I met him, and he was just cracking me up. He was just the nicest guy and had all these, you know, he was definitely brought his production to the thing, but um, yeah. he, he knew that. See, that's where Bob Sinclair messed up, right? He knows that he only has that hit, and so he was like, but the fact that you can the whole time. That for decades, that's what's so yeah. cool about it. Like, you need yeah. one hit, everybody. You need one hit. Do, do, do you remember, do you remember YouTube? I don't remember what it was, but it was April Fools, and I can't remember what year. But they they changed every video to be Sandstorm. So if you go if you YouTube if you YouTube anything on April first, it would be Sandstorm. It would come up and it'd be awesome. like da, 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 and it would just <laughs> it would play that video. You couldn't watch anything on YouTube for that day except for wow. Sandstorm. Okay, I bet you he got paid on that. Let's yeah, go. that's yeah. amazing. <laughs> well, I would I just, love to talk about. The, the Shanghai thing since you're since you just kind of touched on a little bit I would love to just know your experience of oh. living living in a you know a foreign country like that um, did they set you up in a, an apartment uh, did you go out for food did you have a tour guide like how does that work for a full month I, oh, so not they, being able to speak the language would be tough yeah so that, that's, this is this is a, uh, a multi-layered biscuit so there's a lot of things that happened. Like when I first went there for the first time. So keep in mind, like I mentioned Spenny before. So he was like the point of contact. And then there was also the, you know, the owner was from Australia and then the general manager was from like Sweden. It was a, it was a melting pot of people at this club. I didn't need to know Chinese because everybody spoke English. It was just the common tongue amongst all the countries. So that was really helpful. So I, I didn't have any culture shock inside the venue itself, but so when I, I just got to China for the first time, right, I'm, I'm there for literally two days, um, and they drop me off, and I only have the general block drop-off point, and 
the the manager forgot to contact me or like get in contact with me and all i had was my my hotel address and it was like this little like days in style motel and i didn't know where i was in the city let alone what to do next so i literally just walked down a back alley and it was just a local area and i ended up eating like fish meatball soup and a warm beer for my first meal and i was violently ill all the next day i mean it was terrible but this guy like this guy was just looking at me he was smoking a cigarette he's looking at me he's like you hungry he just rubbed his stomach he knew i wasn't talking back to him yeah. he's like, and he's smoking he's like ashes falling in his soup bowls and i'm like okay well you know what maybe it'll boost my <laughs> immune system i don't know so i ended up i ended up giving him some money and having some soup and he was really cool like he was trying to like make me feel at home he got me a chair uh you know sitting on this little tiny little chair that was like my literally my first experience eating in china and then i told spenny he's like he's like what the hell why'd they put you in there Look, that's a garbage <laughs> hotel mate so he's just like he's all mad so then next thing you know the next night i'm in like the penthouse suite that the owner lives in <laughs> oh my and, god and he's on the it looked like a, a tower out of batman i don't even know what the name of the tower is anymore but it has like this crazy quadruple spike thing with a globe in it. It looks like something out of Gotham City. It's amazing. And it's like, it was like $10,000 a month rent on this place. It was insane. And that's, oh, that's a lot of money in Shanghai. That's a lot of money. So it, so I'm here. I'm staying on the 45th floor of this awesome place. Now I feel like I'm okay down at the right spot. So then we yeah. go play at the club. And the club was so packed. I had to take my backpack and carry it over my head to get to the, the actual DJ booth. It was just so full. It was during the World Fair in 2010 wow. so that kind of gives you the, the time frame because it was like right during world fair there was over 400,000 foreigners in the city just for the event and that was the foreigner club so literally it was just everyone was there incredible i mean david beckham went there uh justin bieber went there everybody all like hamilton the f1 driver went there they, these were like this is the club to go to right so and then basically what happened was after that well wait before Wait, wait, wait. I'm sorry. I don't want to jump over this. I, I'm curious. What what are you playing also? You know, this is you're in a, you're in a new country, a new city, a new everything. Do they tell you what you're going to be playing? Obviously, they know your style from. Oh, yeah. Plan, they just said play, but... play your Crooklyn Klein EDM bangers. That was it. Yeah, it was that super was it. easy. I only play for 90 minutes. It was easy. Jeez. Oh, I mean, yeah. It was just like electro Swedish house mafia, Vici, any all the good stuff. It was just super yeah. easy. It was just fun vocals. And hands up, jump. You know that, yeah. that was pretty much it. it, <laughs> Any, it, was, hip -hop? it was Any hip hop or just like kind of uh, the not until later on, towards the end of that tenure, I was starting to push Mumaton hip hop, okay. and they were really digging it because towards the middle of twenty fifth, you know, the 2015, 16, That was towards the end of it. Like, the last time I was in China was twenty seventeen. That, that's when it, you know all of a sudden you could get away with some Post Malone or. Uh, you know, some major laser stuff like that had hip hop vocals, and you know, it was mashups. But as long as it was still high energy and had an electronic feel to it with a hard hit, it still worked. But you had to roller coaster in and back out. But you, yeah. I was pushing the envelope with that for sure. Were, were they ahead of the game, or were did you feel like they're behind? Because you know, even being a traveling DJ, I'm sure you see like certain cities you go to, and you're like, you got to dumb it down two years, three years, right? Oh, well, were they like the, ahead of it, or they caught the common they were, denominator? It was okay. just mainly whatever the top 100 world hits are. Like okay. anything that was just at the top of the charts on Beatport mixed with some EDM top 40 vocals. Like um, there's a lot of DJs that came from England that were residents. DJ Catch 
you know, the hit him with the horns. Like you would play that out yeah. there and you you'd get a great reaction. But he was a resident out there with me too. He's a he's a good buddy of mine. Um, one, but a lot of European DJs were out there. I was one of only like two or three American rotating residents. Uh, there's a DJ A Rock, not the A Rock from the West Coast, but the Red Bull A Rock. He was a resident out there. He lives in Berlin. Um, a lot of cool guys from London. Um, and we they all we all had our own sauce. That was the cool thing about it. Like we had our common ground, and then we strayed off to give ourselves definition. So yeah. that was, and I, I learned so much about world music, like the Euro Euro techno sound. Like when, you know, Future House, like Don Diablo, like, you know, when Don Diablo was starting to put out uh, a lot of that style of stuff, 2014, all those really, uh, just really good feel-good vocals with heavy bass lines. Yeah. That, that stuff was just crushing it. Like, it's just, you know, uh, Nora and Pure. That really, I, I, I got, I discovered Nora and Pure from all the European DJs. Early, now, early, early on. Now, from, from being in Shanghai, did you end up traveling into Europe uh, on your own from there? Or was it um, – I don't know a lot of the touring that you ended up doing. Oh, sure, but- sure. So, you know, obviously mainland Asia is a really good circuit in itself. Like I'd go to Vietnam. Yeah. I was going, always going to Saigon, Ho Chi Minh, and then I'd go to uh, Beijing all the time. Beijing has a crazy hip-hop scene. Beijing is way ahead of the curve. Shanghai is more of the top 40 vibes. Beijing is like – they were like underground because I met kids that were like younger than me. They knew more about New York hip hop than I did. Like they studied the culture. They, they right. really studied the culture. They were amazing at like understanding where our hip hop history came from. And you go to these clubs and they just wanted to hear all the new stuff and the old stuff. It was so awesome. So I uh, go out there. Um, There's a French DJ out there. He's really, really good. DJ E1. Uh, he's back in France, I believe now, but he hosted and built these parties and they followed him. They really followed him. So, so that was another great one. Um, I, I always went into like Chengdu, all these mainland China cities that like 20 million people. You never, I've never even heard of these cities and they have 20 million people in them. And right. you just go to these clubs and they just want to hear like rage bangers, like just punishing. That's where you, if you get into mainland China, it's more like just, it's just this numb. They, there's no definition to their, they just want to hear energy. They don't care what it is. And they were right. even getting into hard style. So it was just a different, very different culture. I would say Shanghai is like New York City. Beijing's like Washington, D.C. And then, you know, you go down to Hong Kong. That's like the Miami vibes. Like there's a you know, it's, it's got its own feel. And so, you know, obviously the different types of people, different types of clientele. It was just, it was really cool to do all that. Do you, do you now speak Chinese or did you learn enough to get by? Like what, uh, were you like, doing, uh, you, you know, speak the, Chinese. The books, on tape, <laughs> the books on tape? I've been told, I've been told that I can speak pretty good if I'm mildly intoxicated because um, I learned most of my Chinese while I was drunk. So when you learn it in that condition, you only are able to perform the speaking in that condition because the only phrase that I still really, I can count to 10, like ER, like I can do all that. But like um, if something's broken, that's the only thing I remember because I was the music director at the club for a while. So I had to talk to the Chinese music director and the only words that we knew how to speak to each other is, uh, and that means this is broken. That's it. <laughs> I just hand him, he's like, okay. That was it. Everything else is like, I can, I can ask for ice water. eBay, Bing Chui. Uh, what about like a that. drink? Or like it's, a... Bing is, Bing is ice. Shui is water. Then eBay like, is a E is one. Like I, I want one ice water. 
Did you just get tons of like bootleg Nike shit and like high end <laughs> shit while you were over there too? Because like even the tour, the- bro, I was the tour guide for all the other guest teachings. <laughs> <laughs> I still got I, like I still got fake Gucci belts. <laughs> I've heard that like s- some of the fake stuff is worth just as much as the real stuff. Like now in there's terms actually of a like culture, like a bootleg yeah. culture. Yeah, because uh, especially Gucci in like Hong Kong, there's these Hong Kong marks that if you get it from a particular store in Hong Kong, it's worth more than an actual Gucci shirt. Jeez. So because it's it's almost like Supreme short runs. So if you got this Gucci shirt from this shop in Hong Kong, oh man, like you, there's only like 20 of them made. Everybody wants it. It's crazy. But like uh, the one thing I, I, when Yeezys were blowing up and you couldn't get Yeezys on the open market anymore, man, I was just, you get $20, like, I call them Chineseies. Like it, it was awesome. Like, cause they were, they were more comfortable than the real ones. Like they used a better squishy foam. So when I'm DJing, it's like standing on a yoga mat. It was awesome. So yeah. like I would just wear those and they were better than the you know the, the real ones. So I was like, whatever, you know, like if, if it works and they're gonna get dirty anyways. I walked everywhere. So I literally walked everywhere in, in Shanghai. I, I know that city better than Orlando. Do you are you able to start like you don't necessarily speak it, right? But you're able to like read what's oh, this is where we go. Are you able to see the signs and understand well, it's, it? It's a, actually cool a little because bit. The, the the way the alphabet works is there's the actual Chinese alphabet, but then they they call it like Ping or something like that where it's english phonetic chinese so i can read the phonetic versions i can pronounce it properly if, like because the street signs had the chinese characters and the english phonetic so you can at least speak it to your taxi driver like uh, uh i lived on shikanglu nanjinglu that means like i'm shikang road and nanjing road so i just tell your uh you tell your taxi driver that's where you want to go man you're bringing all this back all this i'm like my Chinese is coming back. Like, Give me flashbacks right now. I think it's really cool. I I I never lived somewhere else, and so I'm sorry if I'm d- diving deep into it. It's just no, I love it. Yeah, I don't get I don't get the chance to talk about it much anymore. So I, I love going back. I should write a book or something because I got the amount of experiences, the amount of people that I met. I mean, it really is. You know, at the end of the day, the nightclubs were cool, but the people. Like I know this sounds like a hallmark thing, but. The people I met and made enriched my life in such a dramatic way that yeah. I, w- I will never be the same person compared to when I first like the I never like I met people from every almost every country in the world. I met people from India, all these you know business people, and they I, they educated me on socioeconomics, like world economics, and why things work the way they do. The associations between countries. It was such a cool educational lifetime experience and it makes you i mean anytime i travel i always come back like out of overseas i always come back like what man sometimes i think the u.s just sucks we're too stuck in our own ways and you go over there and people are so fucking nice and just friendly and you know i wanted to go live in italy for uh, a month and it was in 2020 right when the pandemic happened yeah (laughs) did you see zillow Zillow was paying for people to move to italy Oh, that's crazy. No. Yeah, you could, you could have lived on an olive oil farm. They oh, wanted people to move to this town because no one was living there. Everybody was leaving, and they, Zillow single-handedly saved their economy, and they paid people to live in, in Italy, so then wow. they would be the hosts for these Airbnbs. It was something like, no, no, sorry, it was Airbnb, not Zillow. It was Airbnb. So Airbnb was paying people to live and stay there, and then they would host other tourists to come in. And you can literally experience the Italy countryside. It was an inc- it was an incredible thing. Like I was actually like legit thinking about signing up for it. <laughs> 
Yeah, I can see it. That's uh, something I would love to do. So, um, I, I like, look, I, I, I know even if it's, I know everybody's got responsibilities and, and things like that, but if there's any way that you can live in a different country for even just one, like one month or up to a year, I highly recommend it. I mean, it's a life changer. It'll literally open your mind to so many different things, the food, the people, the experiences, the, the pace of life, your pace yes. of life will change. We're not in that rat race vibe. It's a very different thing when you're over there. It, the time moves different when you're in a different place. It's, it's, I, I I, I, I want to do it again, honestly. You might find me in another country eventually. <laughs> I, I do have a question. So you said over between 2010 and 2017, you were on different stints of there. You weren't always just living there. How? What was your longest stint that you were there? Ooh, um, so I had to come back quite often because I, I think I was the longest I was there full-time was six months, like nonstop. I didn't leave the borders. Because wow. uh, it was when I was a, started a mu- as a music director, and I actually got my work visa in China, so I didn't have to leave all the time. Right. Like, was there's 90 that. day, 60 day, 30 day yeah. entry windows. But here's the loophole: all you have to do is fly it to Tokyo or Hong Kong overnight, fly right back, and you can reset your visa. So that's what wow. we all did. I had a tourist visa for 10 years. I just come and go every 60 days. So what I did was I'd fly home. I'd bring you know I'd bring back some of my stuff. You know, get you know, bring some clothes back, or you know, just have put some money in the bank that in my American bank. So I just had to do stuff, you know, like errands, international errands. So How long is that do, flight back home? Uh, How long is that flight? So you got a flight from Shanghai to Detroit or LAX, and that's thirteen to sixteen hours. And then you still got another three-hour flight on top of that. Jeez. So I, I would be a twenty-four-hour day. I mean, I, there was the part of the reason I came home is because my body was starting to shut down. I was getting like. I remember one time I was after a DJ gig here in America, I was going back and forth and it was only a one week window in America where I could DJ. And uh, the host brought me out for Denny's after the, uh, the thing. I was literally falling asleep talking. I've never experienced that before. I mean, it, it was the most fatiguing time of my life where I was pushing myself way too far past what a human being should be doing. And it, I just hit the wall. Like I actually, that's what caused me to, after my second, full-time year of being out there i said yeah you know, I, I i moved to vegas <laughs> I'm all, oh my body's shutting down i'm gonna go to vegas so that i can rejuvenate myself but yeah, there was <laughs> rehab in vegas how about that oh my god <laughs> but man. honestly like i didn't dj for like six months when i first moved to vegas like i was just working right. at club killers and i was busy like i actually sat at home on new year's eve and i just watched the tv and went to bed at 1205 like it was like one of those things where like I got like my body just like you know what you don't need to be doing this you you know as a DJ you feel like you're almost obligated for holidays yeah you're programmed and I'm like you know what I don't have to do this and I just went to bed like a normal normal (laughs) civilian human being it was amazing I woke up in the morning January 1st I'm like this is what it's like to feel good so it was it was it was it was an eye-opener for me one yeah. of the things that I wanted to say is I feel like, uh, you know, you could kind of tell when people have traveled a lot and seen some of the world. They just kind of have a different view on on things. And I vibe. They just got a glow. It's something about it. I can't explain it. I can always tell. Yeah. Always tell. It, I always feel like people just want to, like, hate on America. And it's like, you know, I feel like it's pretty cool here, especially when you go places and you see things. Sure. There's tons of things I love about other places and then you come back and you're like man we got it pretty good here like one of the things was like when i went to africa and i was in kenya and i'm like 
oh, and it rains and the rain doesn't go anywhere because they don't have sewer systems or anything like that. You just can't drive anywhere. And like, Whoa. you know, then you come you come back home and you're like, oh, that is pretty nice that we have sewer systems, you know, like something as small that we just take for granted every day Absolutely. that we, you know, and, you know, people just don't understand. And it's, it's well, wild. Actually, I was to told by a lady, I, I was one of my first days while I was out there, uh, an Australian lady. She was helping me out because I accidentally ordered an entire menu of food and they brought it all out. I was like, <laughs> I was in way over my head. And she's like, hey, she's like, hey, do you need help? I'm like, yes, help me. And she was with her daughter. It was like just, you know, it was just a nice, you know, four year old Australian lady. She's like, you know, it's really nice to see an American getting out there and adventuring things. I never see Americans travel. And that's where I think the misconception is like, you know, it's not everybody hating on America. It's just that they know that Americans are kind of in the bubble. It's like a goldfish bowl. And we just think that everything is in our bowl. The only thing that's there when we don't realize there's a whole sea around us and we just stay. Full. So that, that's where that common you know, misconception is. Because you know, so unfortunately, there are some uh, bad experiences where like people come off shirt or ignorant. And that's what gives that, especially in, like when you like, I know French people, People get really annoyed when you don't even try to speak in France. Even if they speak English, they want you to at least try. That's because if right. you're trying to make an attempt you know, their language, they'll help you because then they'll come back and speak English. But like, hey, respect. It's mutual respect. That's all it comes down to. And it's mm -hmm. it's really, uh, that's what I really gained from like understanding the world on a higher level is like, wow, we really all have these incredible perspectives and we are all human beings. We just happen to live on different insane rock flying around the sun it's, it's always amazing I, I go yeah, ahead, go ahead. it's just all, i was just gonna say it's always amazing that like even politically and i don't want to get political at all but just like people are so opinionated here and half the time the ones that are so opinion on either side of whatever spectrum i'm like that person's never left this place at all and they have this opinion of like this grand opinion of yeah. how everything's supposed to work and i'm like you just sometimes it's just it's like so just hard to articulate like the way we're articulating it now we can't articulate that on facebook we can't speak that eloquently on twitter we're just we have these like these little bursts and that's why everything gets so misunderstood and that's the other problem is like if we all like I, i've had so many good conversations face to face with people i don't agree with that i've learned that wow like maybe like my perspective is a little off and, you know, then I, I gain more knowledge and I have a deeper respect for the issue. You know, and that, that's what it's such, good, such, such a good thing about conversation. That's why, like, you know, when you do have that, now that we're kind of getting out of this COVID era, having face to face conversation is so important. It's part of being a human being. Like we're, we're meant to interact yeah. with each other. And that, that's what's so important. So, like, you know, I, I really agree that, you know, learning and understanding and having an open ear, at least an open ear to, to listen you know, I think you learn a lot from listening, not speaking, you know? Yeah. I don't want to uh, move along, but we're, we are kind of running out of time. So one of the things we wanted to talk to you about is uh, just some music. And uh, we call it the Serato Top 5, where sometimes we talk about oh. the top five played songs in Serato, in your Serato. And you don't have to tell us those oh, if you don't want to, but we want to, we at least want to know some big songs. Uh, oh, so we're going to play a segment video. And Hey, Taze on Day here. Drew and Fuse, the drewiest and fusiest pair on the planet, are here to marinate 
your ears uh, marinate themselves, maybe kind of rotisserie themselves and, and, and you know, roll around in the ambiance of sound and music. So put on some Tezande light candles and let's talk music. Chocolate green. It's amazing. <laughs> Actually, you All right. So yeah, so some Serato top five. If you do have the top five, we would love to hear them. Um what's it in Serato? What's the uh it's a play count? What's what's it yeah, called? Play, play count. Yep, it's called, and, and it's going to be skewed because I, I found a I found a, a glitch. So if you're using uh, mixed and key, and you don't have a, a number in it, it it can just write a random number in there. So something to think really? about. Yeah. Well, it's funny because I know there there's one that's already off. Young Thug, Young Stoner Life, and Drake Solid. It says I played it a thousand times. I don't think I've ever played that song before. Right. Um, <laughs> you could skip. You could skip and just find the best ones that you think fit that bill. But uh, we do know that it's going to be. This, this is. I mean, I I can tell you which ones are definitely the right ones. So my number one song of all time in my Serato library, "Hips Don't Lie" by Shakira. The Select Mix edit. Wow! Wow! So, shout out to Select Mix for making the best Shakira edit of all time. I wow! That is the sonically, it's ten times better than the original version. I, okay. It sounds so much better. So whoever engineered that at Select Mix, thank you. <laughs> and and why would you say that's just like a global song? It really oh, it just hits like, everything. I still play it like. When I jump on, if I'm doing like a share set with another DJ here in Tampa, especially, we do that a lot. We just you know juggle back and forth hour hour. It's usually if I'm playing a like an eleven to twelve slot, that's the first thing I play. It just gets it going, gets the ladies going. <laughs> do you think it got? Do you think it got even bigger after the Super Bowl? I, I feel it did. I, I feel like it, 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 it never. It was never not hot. Okay. Well, I, 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 but I feel like you got a boost. Yeah. Like, oh, yeah. I mean, especially with the younger girls that like they re- yeah. like they discovered for the first time, and so you can play it at a wedding, you can play it at a, at a younger college club. It just hits. Like it's an easy crowd saver, like or it's crowd starter, whatever. Like it just gets them going. So then, right. um, in that same vein, what I usually do, you can tell this is part of my combo. I go uh, into my rude boy vma edit because it's the same oh, feel so and it's good. a slam because yeah. i can get out of i slam out of hips don't lie because you know it kind of gets a little long the white yep. cleft starts you know losing it <laughs> so yeah. you slam out of it so yeah. it goes into there my number three is crank that by soldier boy it's still like i still play that middle of the night you can do troll edit versions you can come out of all i do is win with it you can do anything oh, with that's such a great song Yep. Um, Still play I, every night. And here's the thing: I, full disclosure, anybody that's not familiar with me is I am not a deep crate guy. I am a hit player. I don't dig deep. I want to just play hits. I've, I learned on hits. I will never be a deep like B cut type of DJ. Like I always just, I wish I could be. I, I just stick with the common denominators of all genres, and that's that's how I go. I just try to fit all like the 
the biggest hits together. That's what I. But I you feel make like great that's... edits and remixes of those, so that they make right. it sound a little bit different. I mean, there is something to that uh, that statement that is a little bit deeper. You you one deeper. Yes, <laughs> is that yes. you do you do make it a little bit fresh and uh, keep it keep it funky to where you're. You like, know where my influence comes I'm from? Different. That. I can tell you, like, somebody asked me that recently, like, what, what caused me to start making epic acapella intros to, like, all these classic songs? And, like, it's from playing with bands. Um, when you play with, like, I got jealous of bands when they could break down a song with just the drummer and the vocalist, and there's, they just go mute with the guitars and bass. It has this dramatic effect. I'm like, man, I can do that with these stems. I can do the same thing. So, because yeah. I collect stems. So, I just started doing the same thing bands do, and that's what made these like you know one of my biggest ones is like september earth wind and fire that. that's like, yeah that, that one all the time every night play that yeah yeah play. and it just that's that live vibe but like, you'd expect earth wind and fire to do it that way right so that just makes yeah. it feel like it's natural it feels right so then when it comes back in everybody's ready to dance so that, that's really called I, I have a question for you moving into the new stem era of serato 3.0 are these Hopefully you're still making these and not just doing it in Serato, but do you plan on doing some of this live in your sets versus like pre-making them? Someone was someone asked me that personally and I said, I'm still gonna be pre-making a lot of stuff. So I'm uh, just yeah, it, it's funny because it, did you notice the hype is already over? I, I knew this <laughs> was gonna happen. I, I, I was probably one of the as far as people I watched on social media, I was probably one of the least excited people about it. Because I listen to it, I already know the technology. I mean, it's a great tool, uh, but there's unfortunately always. I, I've been actually disappointed when I load songs into the Serato stems, they come out really, really art, full of artifacts, those digital artifacts. It's 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 trying to create a miracle, and it's sometimes it works, and every once in a while you might be able to get a phrase out, which is great for editing. Then then you got to take that piece, bring it back into the editing world, make a good quality edit that you can then play live. Yeah. So, because I like to remaster and like recompress my vocals if, if need be, you know, like I want total control so that when I play it live, there's no doubt. I know it's going to sound good because, you know, you know, imagine when you're in the middle of a, a complicated routine live and the bar or the bar owner comes up and starts tapping you on the shoulder. Hey, 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 you got to You got to respond. And all of a sudden your routine screwed up. And, right. I, hate and I, I know there's a lot of DJs that they, I'm not going to name names, but they, they're like, look, ma, no hands. Oh, look at you in your cool edit. It's like, I, it's like, I get it, bro. Like you're, you're awesome on turntables or you're really cool with your routines and you got awesome stuff, but I'm not, a, you know, I'm not a DMC champion. I'm not going to be, it's not my lane. And I just want to rock a party. So that's why I right. want to make sure that my edits are able to do that. Cause I actually need to be on the microphone too. I'm, I'm, I'm on the microphone. I'm blending. I'm using effects. I'm, I'm mixing. I'm doing all that. So how many things can I do at once? So at least I have give myself that advantage of having a good edit that I can then enhance with my MCing. Because like I, I memorize where my drops are. I'll drop all the you know when it's like one two three jump. I'll do it myself instead of letting the edit do it. But at least it's a guide and it's got my back when I'm too busy to like completely you know deliver in the live aspect. Yeah. So there's, it's like a safety capture. Yeah. I try to be the jack of all trades so that you know. The, it's because at the bottom line, it's about the customer and the customer having the best experience possible. It's not about my ego. Right. And it's, it, it's the customer supposed to have an unbelievable experience and the audio quality should be a part of that. That's why, like, when I say, like a fine wine versus a box wine, they both get the job done, but one tastes better than the other. So. 
I think uh, I there there are moments where it's going to be really great, but I'm totally agreeing with you. I still think uh, pre-production is going to be a king. Oh, absolutely. I mean, I think that you know, uh, you know, like DMS, you know, DJ City, all, Club Killers, everybody. We all. I think this is what I like about it. like we're all in this ecosystem. We all have different flavors, and you know, we all obviously love music. So everybody has a different interpretation, and that's why I love it. I have all the record, all these record pools. We preach like, that. We preach that every single episode is that yeah. you should be on multiple record pools. You should not be only at using one three. record pulse. At, at least three. At least three. Yep. Yeah. So I mean, 100%. It's, it's really important to me to like really because also too, we all live in different parts of the country, especially with the American based pools. We're all we, that's a cool thing. Like, oh, this is blowing up in Milwaukee. This is blowing up in Cincinnati, like West Coast. Like, oh, man. So then it gives you ideas and realize, OK, I can do that, too. So it's yeah. just that's why it's so invaluable to me to have these resources. And, you know, it just makes your life a little bit easier when you have an edit. You know, it's just when, when it yeah. jumps to that best part of the song, it's having to, you know, hit the button to make it happen. And if you miss the cue, it sounds like crap. Like it just right. goes to the right part. Like, you know, yeah. it's in the right place. Like, that's why I love edits. I've, I've been addicted to edits since I got Serato. Like, it, well, you're one of the best at it. Yeah, I think it's just going to make shittier. DJs sound shittier is what I actually think. Which <laughs> then it'll be more obvious when the good DJ comes in. That's what I honestly think is gonna happen with it. Like with the guys stem? that, yeah, I think guys yeah. that do the least are gonna be trying to do the most with it, and it's gonna fucking stand out. Oh yeah, you you got a you got a strong point there because um, power tools in the wrong hands can be dangerous. That's right. <laughs> it's a great uh, quote. Uh, put that quote in the in the archive right there. But that's what I think. I think I agree. I totally, I wholeheartedly agree. And you know what's really cool? This is what I love about the culture. Since I, I've been DJing for twenty three years, right? Everybody that I've come along the way with and you know, took DJing seriously is still DJing to this day. I don't. I can't name off a lot of guys that quit or just faded away. At least that were serious, like you said. Yeah, like I, I know a lot of great DJs and producers and stuff that everybody's still doing it. So shout out to everybody. Like everybody I, I came up in the game with is still busting their ass and doing a great job. So I'm really just proud of the culture. Like as we get older, we're still kicking ass. And that's really important to me. But I'm not worried about the younger generation because we're still kicking ass. Who cares? Yeah. <laughs> 100%. <laughs> well, here, so we're on number four. What's number four? Right. Oh, we, yeah, yeah. Get... Hold on. Let's go back to Serato. Okay. Like, so Danza Coduro. Oh, that's the, a good one. Yeah. The, uh, Did you play the Akon one? I play the Convict remix. Yeah. 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 That's yeah. the one I play. Yep. You yep. know, what I'll do is I have a party starter edit that just like is like it's like an acapella epic. And then it goes, then I bring it back into the Convict version. Yeah. So then my number five is Dance Ass, Big Sean, Nicki Minaj. Yeah, yeah. I've been playing that edit you made uh, recently too. That goes into the uh... oh, it's a freaky girl. Yeah, yeah. Oh my god, <laughs> I, that, good, was the, that was the yeah. best wordplay at uh, Segway transition. Uh, I did that on it, you for that. Believe it or not, it kind of happened on accident. I was not intending on the e thing. I just wanted the bridge part to make it work, and yeah. then I just realized she says free at the same key and cadence as wow. ass dance. I was like. I could not get any luckier, so I had to do a little bit of kung fu to make the blocks move, like you know the different blocks of the audio to drop yeah. in and out when I needed it. But like I was laughing while I was making, I'm like I could not, I did not intend on this working so well. So I, I saw that on a, a segue transition, you know. 
I saw that on social media. I was like, that's that's the best segue I've heard in a long time. That was really good. Yeah, yeah that was a good. Little bit of, little little bit of luck, a little bit of skill. That's, that's, Props uh, to you on that one. So that was a good <laughs> thank one. Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> I walked right into it. <laughs> um, being that you travel as much as you do or you, you, you're you on it, we'd love to ask you some travel tips. Uh, we have another segment video for this. Yeah. I came prepared, All right. too. <laughs> All right. All right. Here we go. We'll play this real quick. Great Scott! Hey there, Drew and Fuse! It's me, Doc Brown! Quick, jump in the DeLorean! We need to get this episode up to 88 miles per hour! Now, hit the flux capacitor, and let's travel to the future! Marty! Marty! Great Scott, Marty! <laughs> you guys got the most amazing cutscenes. <laughs> Michael Jackson? Doc? Uh, oh my god. Uh, Chocolate ring. <laughs> we gotta keep it funky. And there's a so there's a lot you haven't seen, so we're keeping oh it god. keeping it fresh. Oh my god, this is amazing. Okay, so travel tips and stuff. Yeah, okay, so, so we've had TSA pre, we've had something like someone said you have to have a plastic fork in your, your bag. What's what's DeVille's must travel? Okay, so I, I, it's like a three-part process. Right? I was thinking about this because like you, you mentioned it in the DMs. So I was like, this is the first thing I wanted to mention. Okay, so I'm, everybody knows I'm a Toomey guy. Like I love Toomey luggage, right? So one of the things I discovered that's an amazing thing is you take the toiletry pouch, and it's the best USB holder in the world. <laughs> yes. So you put all your cables and the RCAs. I got like multiple. But then the cool thing is it pops right into the Toomey compartments because they're all sewn together to fit these exact pouches. So they just all pop in there perfectly. So this is my HID kit. So every time I play on CDJs with HID, I got my adapter and three USBs. Good to go. Just instant hookup, right? So I got that. And then in conjunction with that, this is the – I will never not use this style of backpack. It's the Toomey roll top that has the expander bay in it. So everybody knows like the luggage fees aren't getting any cheaper, right? You know, a lot, you know, I do landed fees and it's on my bottom line to save as much money as possible. So what I do is this thing opens up like a sleeping bag almost. So I can fit in this area here alone, like a day's worth of clothes. So I'll get some like lightweight nylon joggers, a couple t-shirts, socks, underwear, and then my toiletry kit, right? It all fits just in this part. And all my DJ stuff is still on where it goes. And I can, and I get through like if I'm on Spirit or Frontier, and I'm on that sixty dollar flight round trip, right? And I don't have to pay for luggage, and this thing does it all. This thing is amazing. It's really comfortable. Yeah. It's heavy duty straps. So that's that's my go to bag. Like this bag has probably saved me, in the, in, in very different. Like, I've had like two or three versions of this bag. I've probably saved five or five or eight thousand dollars in luggage. You pay for it up front, but then you end up saving down the road. Oh yeah, I mean I've had this bag for four years already and it still looks pretty much brand new and you, the cool thing is you get your name on it that's the best part <laughs> i love so, that and then so i know everybody loves headphones right so like, that's another thing that i like to talk about is i love these these bose headphones i, I got these for christmas last year and i had, used to have the over-the-ear ones right i didn't realize bose made noise canceling earbuds and i swear to god these things help tinnitus and i'm not a medical professional but I'm pretty sure these like noise cancellation actually helps tinnitus from being in a loud nightclub. 
but they're super convenient. Like they do the full noise cancellation. It's got like five charges worth inside. You don't have to charge. There's a battery inside this thing and it's super small. You don't have to have the big clunky over the ear headphones. Cause I already got my pioneers for DJing. I don't want to carry bows over the ears either. So this is like the alternative. So like when I'm walking around, it has like clarity mode. So you can hear what's going on around you. Like these, these, like any sort of bows, what are these? The, uh, can't remember their model number, but they're the noise canceling earbuds. They made, I think they just came out with new ones. But those, yeah. noise cancellation in an airplane obviously is crucial because you know we all care about our ears, but we still abuse them, right? I'm using the and AirPods. Yeah. Anything you can do to alleviate any sort of stress when it comes to headaches, like I used to get really bad compression headaches from the bass and all things like that, it was just the worst. So this is like your little oasis. You can just put them on and not listen to music. It's just quiet, and it. Yeah actually helps my eardrums so i got really I, I swear by these things and you know it's funny i've, I've never had tsa pre-check <laughs> i've never had it i'm just that guy oh. that stands in line <laughs> if, we guy, could, if, oh, if we could preach it. to you uh, yeah dude, you gotta it, get it it's gotta easily the, the easiest thing you'll ever do ever i mean you just have to make the appointment that's all you know it's funny because i'm still everybody's making fun of me at the office i've been trying to like i've had my passport renewal sitting on my desk since july and it's still not done i have everything printed out i'm like oh i gotta go to the bank and wait in another line and print out a cashier's check it's like <laughs> man i, I just it, you know, you'll, it you'll thank us at one point you got to get the tsa pre it's a game oh, so what's the difference between the the blue what's the blue one? Oh, clear clear yeah there's clear and then there's tsa what's the um, difference TSA, tsa is that every airport the yeah. clear is only at certain airports like busy, like big ones they use clear at like some sporting events too, and you get really? like, uh, like you're able to get in quicker. But that's even few and far between. Okay, so TSA is the one to, the one to have. It's I only mean, TSA is only like seventy five dollars too, and it's good for, for five years. Yeah, for five years. Really? Okay. All right. Well, I'm I'm probably gonna have to do that because well, since you here. travel, since you travel international, I would say look into getting the global um, entry, global entry, and it counts for both. Yeah. Yeah. Yes, because like I know American Express gives you a discount. I never did that either. I should have done that yeah. too because I was going in and out so much. But it seemed like it went by pretty fast. I was like, yeah, you know, forty-five minutes to re-immigrate into the country. It's like, ah, whatever. It was like three hundred dollars when I'll, it first. I'll tell you. Out. I'll tell you why it's worthwhile. You don't have to take your shoes off and you don't have to take your laptops out of your bag. That is what yeah. it's worth for. Not the line weight for anything else. It's that little bit for me. The sheer convenience um, factor. That's great. Yeah. Um, we hate to cut this short, dude. You're just a, such an amazing person. Uh, I've loved well, I appreciate this, you guys. This, Thank you so much. Podcast. Um, we have one last thing, and it's just we like to ask. It's the sauce. Um, what would you tell your younger self? Um, yeah, what's something you could tell your younger self for the the DJs coming up? Save your money. Save all your money. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's because uh, like. It, dude, comes and goes real quick. I, I finally feel like I got financially mature like five years ago. <laughs> yeah. I was living yeah. life, you know, it's like it comes and goes fast. But even if just because like we don't have 401ks and, you know, retirement plans the way regular jobs do. It's up to us. We're entrepreneurs. We're sole proprietor, business people, things like that. You know, you got to have that structure in your life to some degree. Yeah, uh, you know, totally. You know, I just bought my first house back in 2018. Finally, after all these years, 
Thank oh, God like, before 2020. That's great. Yeah, and I bought a condo here. You know, I took my equity and moved it over here, and then everything went way up from there. It's like everything's so crazy now. So it's like, you know, just having some having some sort of financial skin in the game really keeps you ahead of whatever's going on in the world. So just be, you know, be smart, save your save your pennies, and uh, enjoy the ride. <laughs> I, I love that, man. That's, no, it's um, good advice. It's really good advice. I, I need to listen to for myself. <laughs> um, There's so many toys to buy, too. That's the problem. All these cool toys. Yeah. What am I supposed totally. to do? Not buy them? <laughs> Don't test me. I'll always buy new toys. Can't be living in that old tech world. Exactly. Uh, um, tell everybody where they could find you. Uh, you tell, tell them about your Patreon. Club Killers, guys, sign up for Club Killers. You get exclusive Deville edits on Club Killers. Oh, yeah. So, yeah, basically, so the, the way you can find my music, well, I'm on uh, I'm on Instagram, D-E-E-J-A-Y Deville. Uh, and then now I've got my Patreon, so it's Patreon backslash DJ Deville. Uh, and then, of course, on clubkillers.com, every Friday I drop new edits. And uh, yeah, and I'm I'm somewhere on Facebook. I forgot. <laughs> so that's but that's where I like that's where I participate the most. But but when it comes to the Patreon, that's like a community. If you can communicate, you can really communicate closely with me and let me know what you're looking for with editing, and especially classics and things like that. It's a really great place to you know, tap into that and uh, let your voice be heard on what you're looking for as a DJ. So I think Patreon's a really great community building experience. Yeah. Um, dude, we're going to have to have you back on to talk music because I feel like we, we just got yeah. into so much personal and real life stuff. And I, I just love talking with you as a person. I want to dive more into music. So we're definitely going to have to have you back on anytime, anytime guys, you let me know. Okay. Hell yeah. Awesome. Thank you. Well, we appreciate um, it. Yeah. Thank you guys. So, you know, and honestly, it was a great conversation. You know, I could talk about a million different things. I could just talk about the, uh, the proms in, in the cafeteria for an hour. So. <laughs> yeah. We'll get back to that at some point, but dude, what a great interview. Thank you so much for being on. Cheers um, guys. Yeah. I really appreciate it. Thank you so much. Thank yeah. you so much. And uh, for our listeners until next time, that's going to wrap up today. We'll talk to you later. See ya.